Well, Julia, I had a lot of people do a lot of things to get out and listen to one of my sermons. That's the best one yet. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Please find your way in God's Word, Romans chapter 1, verse 28. We have, uh, we have seen that the wrath of God has been revealed as we walk through the, the letter of Romans. Verse 18 said, for the, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And we saw last week that, that the wrath of God is God's justifiable anger towards the human race that has suppressed the truth about him because of their preference for unrighteousness. Say it again. God's justifiable anger towards the human race that has suppressed the truth about him because of their preference for unrighteousness. And with the wrath being revealed, we can see just how far man is away from God. We can see just how far man has strayed from God's truth. Paul is giving us the full gospel. He's making the case or, or clearly showing that the fall of mankind and showing the fall of mankind and how none, no, not one, will escape the final wrath of God unless there is divine intervention. The truth is, there is a new king in town. His name is Jesus. He's a 30-year-old Jew who said he was the king of Israel, who was crucified by their leaders, who was resurrected by God, and one day will judge the world. I love that statement. Don't miss the last part of that. God will judge man. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. There is none, no, not one that is good. All of mankind has inherited the sin of Adam. All will have to answer to God. And we will see that in our text today. We saw last week how mankind rejected God. God said in Genesis 1.26, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over creation. So being created in God's image demands great responsibility. Sounds like your dad talking to you, don't it? Son, with license comes great responsibility. A lot, lot deeper than that here. Being created in God's image demands great responsibility. Man was created to know, serve, love, and worship God. Instead of accepting, in, instead of a, a rejoicing, instead of being thankful for being made in God's image, man made God in his own image. Man was to recognize God in, as God. Instead, man suppressed the truth because they did not want to honor God as God. And if they do not honor God as God, you know, they're surely not going to give him thanks. And that's where it all starts. From there, mankind started rolling down the road to destruction. Their thinking became futile. They became foolish and hearts became darkened. Man would not let God rule his life, so he ends up with an empty mind and a darkened heart. Sad situation. He then turned to idolatry and worshiped the creation instead of the creator. We saw last week that all of those sins and consequences fell in verse 27 in Genesis. But from there, mankind continued to roll, roll down the road to destruction. They dishonored their bodies. They exchanged natural relationships for unnatural. And that took us back to verse 28 in Genesis chapter 1. God said to them, remember the first commandment he gave mankind? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. By dishonoring their bodies, 
Mankind could not fulfill the command that God gave them, be fruitful and multiply. So the human race has worked itself into rebellion against its creator at every level. And as we walk through this text with Paul, we can clearly see that rebellious mankind is trying to systematically undo what God has done. They're just going down what God has done, and they're trying to undo it. So let's continue where we left off last week, chapter 1, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So we're continuing to see the consequences consequence of sin and how how the consequences build on one another and we saw last week in verse 24 the word said that god gave them up because of their sin they will suffer the consequences verse 26 we saw god gave them up and here in verse 28 we see it again god gave them up or gave them over we see man's sin of denial again here in this text the word says and since they did not see fit to acknowledge god you see, they were not ignorant. Man is just denying God and not being thankful. And the result is God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Again, they would not acknowledge God as God. And that's where it all began. They were not ignorant. They had knowledge. They chose not to use the knowledge that God had given them. They did not acknowledge God, so God gives them over to their sin, and now they have a debased mind or a deprived mind, depraved mind. That is, it's a mind that cannot form right judgments. And this is the wrath of God being revealed on all, unrighte on all unrighteousness. Take, take note here as we see as we get to the end of this chapter, because the wrath of God is being revealed. Their minds become depraved. And they end up losing the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. When the conscience is perverted, and that's what fallen man has done, perverted everything about God. But when the conscience is perverted, what man ends up doing is they do what ought not to be done. What the people were doing is not only offensive to God, but also offensive by human standards. That's how low sin will take man. They do what ought not to be done. Rejecting the truth, suppressing the truth, it leaves a mark. One's ability to think clearly about moral issues is undermined. So with a depraved mind, father man now does what is unfitting or improper. God gave these people over to a reprobate mind. Why? Because on their own, they came to the conclusion that they did not need God in their lives. Nothing new under the sun, is it? And what's the result of rejecting God? 
What happens to the mind when you no longer ask yourself, what would God want me to do? When you stop asking, what does God say about this? Or when you stop hiding God's word in your heart, what happens? Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They, they were filled with, they are, they are full of, the word says. Did you see that? They emptied their minds of God, and their minds end up filling itself full of sin. The word filled here, it, it suggests a state of, of being filled to the point of overflowing. You know, they say that the, the mind can only retain so much information, you know, and that as you put new information in, some of that old information is pushed out and forgotten. And that may be true, but I want to say that the older I get, I believe that it's no longer an even trade. That, that is the amount that's put in is not the same amount that's being forgotten and pushed out. I think I'm forgetting a whole lot more than I'm putting in. Can I get a witness? Okay, I thought that was just me. Like, man, that looks bad. So, so think about it this way. That's a great way to look at your brain power or your thought life here. If you take God out, if you say, I do not need God, I do not need his truth, and you stop filling your mind with the word of God, something else is going to fill that space. If you remove the things of God from the mind, then you have to ask, what will, what will you fill your mind with? The truth is, the word says you will fill your mind full of all manners of unrighteousness. God's saying it right here in this text. That The statement stands true in all areas of our lives, too. If you don't have a godly attitude, then you will have a worldly attitude. If you're not seeking to glorify God, then you will end up seeking to glorify self. If you do not worship God as God, you will end up worshiping idols. We have choices in our lives. What, what do we feed on? Is it the word of God or the things of this world? They have a saying, garbage in, garbage. Do we feed our minds garbage? God has created man to do certain things. And if we do not do it God's way, then we end up doing it the enemy's way. There's two paths you can go in life. And so Paul, here he goes, he just starts down this list. What a list, right? He starts going down this list, basically saying, here's what happens to the mind when you take God out of the picture. And we won't spend much time here. We know what sin is, but we're going to walk down this list. I feel it's important. Paul thought it was important, so we're going to walk down this list. First one on there was evil. Morally reprehensible, sinful, and wicked. That's the definition of evil. You know, if your mind is not filled with the goodness of God, then it's going to be filled with evil. I look at it this way, too. Here's another way. Darkness cannot overtake the light. You see, you can remove a light or you can snuff out the light. And when that happens, the consequence is that the room will be filled with darkness. But the darkness cannot overtake the light. Same thing here. Evil cannot overtake God and his holiness. But if you remove God, evil will take over. That's just the way it works. You know what? 
That's a great way to do a self-examination. That's a great way to examine your life. You can ask, hey, in what areas of my life is my light shining? And what areas of my life am I letting darkness take over? Amen? We should always be examining our lives, and that's a great way to do it. You know, where is my light in life? Where is the darkness? <clears throat> Moving on, next we have covetousness or greed. Relentless urge to get more for oneself, not content with what you have. Malice, a desire to cause pain to others. They're full of envy, Paul says. They're jealous of others. Murder, to kill a human being with premeditated malice. Strife, bitter conflict and rivalry. Fallen man is filled with all of this. Lying. Maliciousness, doing evil despite the good that has been received. Paul continued, they are gossipers. They create problems by rehashing idle talk or rumors concerning others' private affairs. You may have heard some of this on the prayer line. Slanderers, they are people who destroy another, <laughs> other people's Haters of God. Watch this. Not only do they ignore God, but they become haters of God. Shaking their fist at him and working against him. Not just rejecting God, but actively working against any godly influence. Make note, not ignorant. They know there is a God and they hate him. Insolent. Arrogant behavior towards the weaker person. Shaming others without mercy haughty and boastful, looking down and being critical of others. Inventors of evil, looking for ways to pervert. Disobedient to parents. Some may be shaking in their shoes. No. This one always seems odd. Why, why is this here? But listen, if you think about it, the parents have set the example for their children here. Well, how's that? Well, by ignoring God's authority, Right? They are disobedient to God, and by their actions, they are telling their children to ignore authority. Do not submit to authority. They don't submit to God. And so when God's authority is set aside, and parents are not submissive to God, it won't be long before the children become disobedient and do not submit to their parents' authority. That's why we have disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless heartless, ruthless, unable to discern spiritual and moral things, unreliable, untrustworthy, unfeeling, unkind, harsh, cruel, and without compassion. What a list, huh? What a list. And it all started by suppressing the truth. Not wanting to know, serve, love, and worship God not doing what God had created mankind to do. This snowball that we talked about last week, this snowball of sin has now become a huge boulder. Now, if you look back at this list, make note, this, this list covers all of mankind. Everyone ever born has committed one of these sins somewhere down the line. And that's the case that Paul's making. Everyone is in need of a savior. And if you look at the world today, if you look at the world as a whole, you would say, wow, I see, these, I see this sin happening all over 
Think about how bad it would be if the kingdom of God was not at hand. So Paul's making it very clear. Remember, he's building the story here. He's making it very clear. Mankind, all of mankind is in need of a Savior. All of humanity is in need of a Savior. Amen? Now look down at verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree, again, they knew it. They are not ignorant, right? And what is God's righteous decree? <clears throat> that those who practice such things deserve to die. They understood the punishment for their sin, and yet they continue to practice such things. And on top of that, not only do they do them, practice them, but they give approval to the others who practice them. What's that saying? Misery loves company, right? Here we see sinners, people who hate God, they love company too. They will bring anybody in, and they will... They will, they will prove anything you're doing just if you come to their side. Fallen man has turned their backs on God, their backs on God, knowing that their deeds deserve the ultimate penalty of death. Knowing that, yet they continue in their sin and encourage others to join in. One of the saddest statements I've ever heard a man say is this, and you may have heard it too. Yeah, when I get to hell, it's going to be a big old party because all my friends are going to be there. So sad because they are proof of this fallen man that Paul is talking about here. By acknowledging that there is a hell, they are proclaiming that they know there is judgment for sin. By proclaiming that there is judgment, then they are acknowledging there is a righteous God. And even though they know they will be in hell because of their sin, they keep on sinning and encourage their friends to do the same, knowing the outcome is the same for all who partake. You know, not, you know they, they think they're funny, but that, that's not a laughing matter. One of the saddest statements anyone could ever make. The bottom line, because fallen man does not want to honor God nor let God be God or the Lord of, it, or their, of his life, man comes to the conclusion that there is no absolute right and wrong. That's where it's going. This is what happens to the depraved mind. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And they finally get to the point where right is wrong and what is wrong is right. Can you see it in the world today? They have come to the end of the road. They have reached destruction. They know God's righteous decree. That is, those who practice such things deserve death, yet they continue to practice them and continue to reject God. Man has rejected God and has fallen deep into sin. He understands the penalty of sin, and yet he continues to go down that road and continues to reject God. Something I want you to remember when you come back and read chapter 1 on your own is that man, and I made a big point about this, has, has knowledge of God. He's not ignorant. Everyone here now has knowledge of God. You are not ignorant. Man is without excuse for rejecting God. Scripture even goes as far to say that mankind even knows the penalty of death. This guy knows Scripture. Man knows there's consequences for his action. 
Man has an understanding that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Man knows there is a right and a wrong. Human beings, mankind, created in God's image, have a basic moral nature and a conscience that comes from Man does not, did, did not get his conscience or a basic moral nature from going to church. Didn't happen. Man's conscience did not come about by reading books. Man has a basic moral nature because he is created in God's image. He knows right from wrong. And that truth still stands today. Most people instinctively know when they do wrong. They may not care, but they know. They know. You've heard people say, I, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. They know. If they search their hearts deep down inside, they know that sin deserves death. Deep down inside, they know Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And yet they choose to sin rather than worship God. Know this, you know, man can choose to sin against God and God won't stop him. You ever think about that? But what happens is, is that the wrath of God, the law of consequences will eventually make him a slave to his rebellious choices. In other words, man will become a slave to sin. Man believes he becomes free when he turns from God, but actually he turns into a miserable human being because he becomes a slave to sin. He's not free. And that's where the good news comes in. The good news, the gospel, that God is offering a solution to man's problem. We know that Jesus came to set us free. And if you're in free in Jesus, then you are free indeed. Amen? No longer a slave to that sin as we have seen when we went through the book of Mark. And we will see that truth roll out as we go through this letter too. So let's back up just for a second. Let's get in the helicopter and look back down on these texts before we move on. Paul, Paul's giving the full gospel, right? He's telling us the story of fallen man. And we are seeing that all of mankind is fallen. And he's going to continue and he's going to give the story of redemption. And he's going to, he's going to, take, and he's going to take us and make sure we understand about the kingdom of God in one family and the work that he has been doing from the beginning and the work he will do through Israel, the work that he did through Israel and the work that he did through Christ. He's going to give us that big helicopter view of it all when you look down on it. He's given us, the, what did I say last week, the full gospel. Keep that in mind. And here in chapter 1, as we see how fallen mankind has rebelled against God, you know, we see that Paul did a great, a great job of showing the degradation of mankind. And when we, we first look at these sins, we can see that all of mankind has fallen short of the glory of God. Of God. All of mankind is declared guilty. All means all. I looked it up. It actually means all. Some may not believe that statement, though. They, they, they will say, well, you know, I'm not like those others. I, I know there is a God, they will say. I don't deny there is a God. And I do not dishonor my body like some do. So don't include me with them. I'm not like them. Well, if those people continue to read the rest of the chapter like we did, and if they were honest with themselves, they would see that they're in the same boat as those people. They are like them. Guilty and fallen short of the glory of God. All. 
All means all. And Paul addresses these people also. Paul continues. He, he continues to show that all means all. As we're rolling into chapter 2, we'll see that God's coming judgment will not be, is not impartial. It will be the same for all. Chapter 2, we're going we're gonna to get started in it. We're going to read, read it here, but we'll pick it up next week. But we're just going to dig in just a little bit here. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his goodness, of, of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and infinite heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one accordingly to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. So in chapter 1, Paul showed us the fate of, of, human, of, of, of mankind apart from God. This is all of mankind. He's saying that all of mankind is in a bad spot. Paul, being led by God and also knowing the heart of man, knew what people would be thinking as he went down that list. So he goes into this diatribe here on chapter 2. He brings up the questions or objections of the opposition, and then he immediately gives an answer or refutes their objections. He begins this section here. Therefore, he just stated or proved the fate of man without God, and then he turns his attention to the reader and says, Therefore. You have no excuse. You are just as bad. Think about this for a minute. Paul sends this letter in by the Pony Express and it gets to Rome. The elder of the church stands up, tells everyone, I got a letter from Paul right here. Gather around, everyone, gather around. We got some good news coming. It's coming from the great apostle Paul. And he reads chapter one. And as he reads chapter one, you look out in the congregation and heads are going up and down. <laughs> a nod of confirmation. As the reader, as the reader condemned idol worship and homosexual practices and violence, he's like, yeah, bad people right there. Bad. And when he reads that the sinner deserves death for their sins against God, someone may even say, Amen, they deserve what they get. And then out of nowhere comes this. Therefore, therefore, you have no excuse. Maybe the heads quit nodding at that point. Why is he talking to me? It's not me. 
Therefore, Paul says, you have no excuse. You are just as bad as the ones you are judging. You are doing what you are judging them on. Only two ways to react to that sermon, pride or repentance. You are just as bad as the ones you are judging. Paul is painting the big picture of the kingdom of God here. Point is being made. Nobody is good enough to save themselves. Nobody. He makes this clear in this letter. He will make it clear that if anyone wants to avoid punishment or wants to avoid the wrath of God or the judgment of God and live eternally with Christ, he must depend totally on God's grace. Paul, Paul did not give us that list of sins in chapter 1 to show us that some sins are worse than others. Was it the purpose? Any sin puts you under the wrath of God. So any sin, as we will see next week, should cause us to depend on Jesus Christ for salvation and drive us to repentance and eternal life. We have all sinned, and salvation comes only through faith in Christ. There's only one way to enter the kingdom of God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, when you prepare sermons, they're very convicting. Can't help to look at self as I think about that first gathering that heard that reading of the letter. You know, it happens here, maybe. You hear a sermon online, you know, you're out there giving the amen. Amen, that's right. No one should lie. You look at your kids, don't ever lie. You know, you look down. At them. But you leave here and get pulled over by one of our great law enforcement officers. How fast are you going, sir? 35. <laughs> You're in a 55, sir. <laughs> You're lying. But, but for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because the judge, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. You see, if you judge someone and you are doing the same thing, by judging them, you're admitting that you know that their actions are wrong. So if you are doing the same, you end up condemning yourself. You have that. You can point it out on another. You're just as guilty. Doggone it, mister, I'm a pretty good guy. Just declared yourself guilty. You just admitted that you're a sinner too and in the same boat as all the ones listed those people you know i'm a pretty good guy that's the one that paul is bringing to the truth here in chapter two the ones who think they're pretty good the ones who do not deny there you know there is a god they'll say i'm not denying there's a god i'm not doing that no way i'm not i i don't even commit the big sins just little white lies these are the ones who think when they stand before God on judgment day that they're hoping that their good will outweigh their bad. Paul's making the point. You're just as guilty as the ones you are judging. You're in need of a savior, just like the ones you condemned. All means all. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All are under the wrath of God. But because of divine intervention, there is a way out for fallen man. And you know, that's the good news again. 
And we're going to go, we're going to dig further into chapter two. I, I suggest you read that this week, read it many times before we get back to it next week. But as we leave here today, first of all, don't go out there speeding and lying to the cops. Okay, don't do that. But as you leave here today, think about the judgment of God. Think about that. You see, the, the people in chapter one are hoping that judgment will not come to them. You know, maybe they're thinking, if we just say there is no God, then there's no judgment. If we just deny there's a God, we don't have to worry about judgment. Don't leave here today thinking like the people do at the beginning of chapter two, thinking that you're a pretty good person and that God will give you a pass because you're not as bad as some of your friends. Don't do that. But I want you to leave here thinking about God's judgment and how great is our God. That even though we deserve death because of our sins, he is willing to save wretches like us. How great is our God? Pastor Ryan.